0: I've seen a fireball, I've seen a ball of light, and yeah. I saw a saucer that was very clear. It was moving really uh, kind of like a firefly. And yeah, I'll never forget that how that felt because it definitely felt very paranormal. You don't see things moving quite like that, and we followed it for like 10 minutes. I mean, I have no doubt that they're out there. Um, I don't know whether they're you know, kind or even care about us. I, I personally think that We are their experiment. I think that human beings are genetically modified by UFOs and they're just observing us, whether for fun or for any other reason.
1: Welcome back to Chris Dyer's Creative Friends, the super fun, awesome YouTube podcast show where me, your artist friend Chris Dyer, talks to his super awesome artistic friends. Today I am in the beautiful town of Creststone, Colorado, surrounded by the mountains and natures, and I'm in the very interesting and lovely home of Dome Moon, and uh, she's a beautiful person and painter. How are you doing, Dome?
0: Doing awesome. Thanks for having me. Woo,
1: thanks for having me over your <laughs> lovely house. Uh, how long have you been living here?
0: Uh, I've been in this house three years. I've been in this town like five years and I love it. It feels like home. Super
1: <laughs> sick. Looks like a, like a hobbit. Not like a hobbit home because hobbit homes are small. It's a fairy house. It's,
0: it's my a... witch tower. That's right. What I call it. <laughs> well, that's awesome.
1: Like this room in itself has like seven corners, right? Yes,
0: it's very inspiring. Seven walls. Hexagonal? Heptagon I believe. Heptagon. What
1: does that do to your art? Does it like create more, you know, crazy sacred geometry? I
0: think yeah, I I just get crazy downloads over here. It's definitely really inspiring I don't ever want to leave here and uh, I think this place was built with a lot of intention and I'm still like discovering a lot of this myself, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm not super well-versed on like sacred geometry, but I'm sure that it's like very conducive to what I'm trying to do here. Right.
1: Some good influence might uh, be in the air if the patterns of, you know, creation are embedded in it. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about Crestone. It seems like a very interesting place.
0: Yeah, Crestone is amazing. It's it's considered a vortex. It's a very spiritual place. There's a lot of... spiritual retreats and centers here. People come here to like heal and grow and do ceremony and everyone here is quite a character so life is never boring out here.
1: <laughs> yeah totally. Um, it seems like there's like what like a ton of Buddhist
0: Yeah centers. there's Buddhist centers, there's a Japanese center, there's you know even Christians and uh, it's all different lineages and there's a lot of teachers and they're, I mean, they're mostly hiding. It's not like advertised, but people come out here and usually have pretty profound experiences.
1: Mm -hmm. There's also some cults, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, we have (laughs) some cults here too. Um, One got shut down down the street. Um, I don't really want to like promote it, but I'm sure people that are familiar with Crestone probably know about everything that happened. Uh, Since, you know, this is a place for like spiritual seekers A lot of people that are traumatized are really easy to take advantage of and so people also get misled Uh, i like to think of this place kind of like an amplifier and it'll bring out everything like it'll amplify everything you have in you and some people that are willing to you know deal with their shit can really you know advance really quickly and then other people that are not on the right path can just like blow their lid and go insane
1: (laughs) wow so there's more than one those around Yes,
0: there. yes, unfortunately. <laughs>
1: and you said that something bad had happened.
0: Yeah, recently this was all over the news, this cult that was like on Dr. Phil and all that. Um, their leader recently passed away and they're kind of like hauling her body across states and um, police just found them and shut them down. But they, they've been a problem for people here for quite some time.
1: Does that affect you and your life or your neighbors or is it something just in their land or where they Well, that at.
0: particular cult hasn't really affected me, like other than, you know, you gotta, gotta be careful and you don't wanna like, I mean, we talk to strangers. Everyone's really open here. Most people don't lock their doors, but when shit like that is happening, you kind of have to be more wary. Um, but there was a different cult that got shut down, like right down the street, and that was really unexpected because I almost got a job there, so. Oh, wow. <laughs>
1: what makes a cult be a cult? Like say um, we got. Like- I think
0: a lot of people have different definitions. I like to me, any subculture could be labeled as a cult. However, I think that there is subcultures that are empowering and give you like free will of choice. And just because you have, share a common interest, like that's fine. But then the cults that are super disempowering. So like that place was like depriving people of sleep and not letting them eat and like using brainwashing techniques to just kind of fuel their own agenda and believing that like you can only, you know, re- reach God through this one person and you can't.
1: What, what's the goal like to this um, empower people that much? What, what are they trying to get out of them?
0: Um, well, I personally think it, it's an egoic thing. When you feel really small and really insignificant, you try to overcompensate for that and getting people to like worship you and follow you and support you in all the ways kind of fills that hole of like, I'm small and insignificant.
1: Right. It's ironic how those who make themselves to be like gods walking through earth are usually the ones who feel so bad inside yeah. to start and with. And they're
0: probably not even aware. They probably think that they think highly of themselves, but it's all unconscious, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Uh, well, thank you for filling us up in the world of
0: cult. <laughs> I am not the cult expert, but I have always found it very fascinating. Right?
1: Uh, no, it is very interesting, and that's cool that you're in a little bit of a, a epicenter for a few of them, and you can see in your own neighborhood things happening. That's uh, that's really cool. Um, and Creston is also a dark town. That's what we call the them?
0: dark skies. Yeah, they recently got an award for I believe it's like third or fourth place in the United States, and it was like thirtieth in the whole world. Um, apparently there's, you know, a place that keeps track of that stuff and we're pretty proud of it. We can see amazing night skies. There's a lot of like paranormal activity, a lot of people that are sky watchers.
1: For (laughs) those, for those who don't know what a dark skies town is, and I just found out like a couple of days ago, (laughs) all the neighborhoods in the town, all the neighbors in the town agreed to not turn on their lights outside at night, right? Yeah,
0: it's pretty protected. It's not just like not turning on your lights, but yeah, they won't build like a stadium with big lights. And I know they just recently built a Dollar General not far from here and they had these like stadium lights on their parking lot that were on all night long. And now like they asked them to shut them down. So it's kind of like protected skies where they're trying not to have light pollution. Wow, so,
1: and the objective is so that you can look at the stars more yeah. clearly.
0: Yeah, because you don't get to see that everywhere.
1: And thus, then you get to see paranormal activities, yes. like uh, some UFOs UFOs flying around. Yes. Have you seen any uh, UFOs uh, flying around here?
0: Uh, I've seen a fireball, I've seen a ball of light, I haven't seen any like distinct saucers. I have seen that in my life when I was growing up back in Lithuania. I saw a saucer that was very clear. It was moving really kind of like a firefly. And yeah, I'll never forget that, how that felt, because it definitely felt very paranormal. You don't see things moving quite like that. And we Mm -hmm. followed it for like 10 minutes. It was written about in the newspaper and such. Um, I haven't seen too much out here. I have seen... A crazy fireball, like a giant fireball that was moving really slow.
1: Wow! So it wasn't a comet or, or no it asteroid. Was,
0: it was huge and it was moving like pretty slowly, and that was absolutely unbelievable—once in a lifetime kind of thing.
1: Uh huh. That's awesome. Uh, it's great that the job that I'm doing here in Creststone for that cute hippie family—they uh, they, they had so many tales of like uh, UFOs. Uh, th- what do you call it? Visitations or visibility or whatever, and they want me to paint all these murals of UFOs on yeah, their on their land. So it's so cool. it's been fun. Um, what's your relationship with aliens or uh, you know extraterrestrials?
0: My relationship. <laughs> yeah, like
1: do, do, do you have a relationship or what's your uh, point of view on on them? Yeah.
0: I mean, I have leave? no doubt that they're out there. Um, I don't know whether they're you know kind or even care about us. Um, yeah, I I like to think that there is beings that are much more advanced than us out there. Personally, I don't have, like, a super tight connection, but I do like to listen to people that feel like they can communicate with them. And, yeah, I had a mushroom ceremony here not long ago, and I saw three blue lights, like, all around my windows, and that definitely felt like it was there for a reason. So, you know, I... I don't like to make speculations but I definitely feel a presence and I think that, I I personally think that we are their experiment, I think that human beings are genetically modified by UFOs and they're just observing us whether for fun or for any other reason. (laughs) Mm.
1: What will they find out through us? Yeah. (laughs) Maybe they'll find their way to become God itself through this vessel, who knows. So you're telling me you grew up in Lithuania. Yes. Tell me about the country of Lithuania. I don't know anything about it at all.
0: Lithuania is absolutely beautiful. It's green, it's rainy, we got hills. It's very small, but we have a very, very rich and old culture. Our language is very old and it has a lot of relationship to Sanskrit. Um, And yeah, it's it's just a really beautiful country and I miss it a lot. Mm -hmm.
1: And you moved to America at what age?
0: I was 14.
1: Mm -hmm. And you moved to, I think you told me, Illinois, right?
0: Yeah, I moved to the suburbs of Chicago. How was that,
1: how was that change?
0: It was, it was the hardest thing for me. Um, at the same time, my mom was sick and dying. So like being ripped and like 14 is a vulnerable age for anybody. But for me, like being ripped away from all my friends, my culture, I loved my school at the time I was going to art school back in Lithuania. And then I just kind of like plopped down in this apartment in the suburbs. I had no friends. My dad was like always working. I'd never see him. I was going to high school and everything was so artificial. And while like to me, it seemed super wealthy. I know here it would be considered middle class, but to me, it's like absolutely rich. Uh, But people seemed so miserable and so cold and so poor in relationships and family bonds. Um, So it was really, really hard for me. I definitely just started like drinking and doing drugs and getting super depressed.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm sorry to hear that. Seems like Europe, because it's like the old, you know, continent with like centuries and centuries of developed culture, it seems like their system for like community and just culture in general is so well established that. It's better of a support system than, say, a a young country like America or Canada that only has a couple hundred years, and we're still even discovering who we are in the mix of everything.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, I think it's a mixture of a bunch of different cultures. But over there, and I think it's kind of losing it. I mean, I've only been back a couple of times, so it's really hard to make the observation. I think people were really, like, looking out for each other versus here people are in competition with one another. And I think that more and more of that is starting to happen it's like becoming more and more capitalist and people are more like you know uh, trying to have bigger houses and brand names versus like a really tight support network
1: so it's the the opposite of what should be happening is happening yeah you know, at least they should my, be influencing us not the other way around yeah mm-hmm. but you must be are you like proud of being uh from Lithuania? Is that something that you like that you carry in your vibration or even embed in your art in subtle ways? Yeah,
0: absolutely. I'm really 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 grateful to have been born there. I think it gives me a very unique perspective. I think a lot of people that were born in the States really take it for granted and they only see the bad parts of it versus I I see everything that's wrong with it but I also see the incredible amounts of opportunity that you know are not available anywhere else and um, so yeah I definitely am really really proud like our people are very resilient and um, uh, yeah I'm really grateful to be from there (laughs) yeah
1: awesome I feel the same way about being from Peru and uh, you know going to North America after and having two totally different perspectives. It's good to have that like, open-mindedness, you know, it, it hurts when it happens, as you say, you're 14 years old and you're totally crushed because mm-hmm. your world was destroyed and now you got to start learning the world from, the, from anew, yeah. but now you, you understand that the world's so different no matter where you go and you got an open mind to accept it more in a way, right? Exactly. So in that period where I uh, was 14 years old, you, you moved to you know the Chicago suburbs, were you doing art already to you know help yourself?
0: I was doing art. Um, I was doing really dark art. Like I said, back in Lithuania, I was going to art school. So oh, that's cool. where like most of my training comes from. Like that's where I learned like perspective and shading and stuff like that. It was really early on, but it like stuck with me. Um, and then in high school, I, I started like oil painting a little bit. I didn't know to use any kind of mediums or anything. Um, But I was making like really creepy dark art that was mostly inspired by like Marilyn Manson lyrics (laughs) Uh During my senior art show I remember people like didn't even want to go by my section were like so disgusted and I was so proud of that Uh,
1: Well, you're a teenager. What do you expect? (laughs) You know like you gotta do some like I, I myself I was doing either Rasta art, you know with a bunch of Rasta smoking joints, even though I didn't smoke weed at the time or uh, metallica skulls or you know then i got into uh, street gang culture and it was all about knives and rocks and violence so you know it's the vibration of a growing adult um tell me more about like your your art journey like how did it develop throughout the years Uh, did you go to school where did it go and turn from dark back to light or
0: yeah um so i mean yeah to summarize it When I was 17, I went to my first festival in Illinois. It was called Summer Camp. And I made a poster, I think the year after, I made posters um, of like every band that was there. It was just like super trippy, psychedelic. Um, And then I sold those posters and I made so much money and I was blacked out the whole time. And everyone was like, please never stop making art. This is the best thing I've ever seen. So that was kind of like my first glimpse into like I can make a life out of this because like the best weekend ever and I'd never made so much money it was great Mm -hmm. Um, so I did that the following year like I made even bigger posters and that was cool um but really after high school I kind of just started like drinking a lot I wasn't doing much art I, I worked as a hairstylist I didn't go to art school after that um when we first moved to Colorado, I took some graphic design classes online, so I have an associate's degree in that, but I wouldn't call it like much of an art, but it gave me some of my uh, more digital skills.
1: Yeah. It's easier to make money yeah, from that. Yeah,
0: exactly. And, you know, after I was living in Colorado, I had a very pivotal moment. I've had quite a few like very pivotal moments, but um, the first thing was uh, when I was living back in Leadville, I realized that you can make a living doing art, and I started doing pet portraits, stuff like that. I kind of just, I basically had everything I wanted, which I didn't want much, but I lived in nature. We had our own home. I worked at a pizza shop for people that were like quite nice, and I was like, you know, I could get used to this, but I was still super, super angry. And I realized that it wasn't my circumstances making me so, like I knew it was coming from within. So that's kind of when I got into like self-reflection and you know, self-development and reading some books and kind of being more cautious of what I think and say and pay attention to. Um, so that quickly kind of like shifted into, you know, me taking my art more seriously. Cause when you just follow your inner guidance, like the right path begins to appear. So, yeah, that's when I really started doing art. I was still taking jobs here and there. Um, But then when we moved to Villa Grove, which is not far from here, I lived in a complete middle of nowhere. Like our nearest neighbor was a 10 minute drive. The post office, like 20 minutes. Like you think Crestone is middle of nowhere? That was entirely middle of nowhere, just like National Forest. Mm Um, And that's kind of where I had a spiritual awakening because I was a die-hard atheist before then. I just thought life is just torture and we all die and nothing happens. What age was that? I was like 27, I think. Okay. So I had this awakening moment. I was just sitting on the mountain and then I realized that everything is alive and everything is intelligent. And like, yeah, I had heard that, but I just had this, you know, like full body experience of like, no this is really intelligent and no one human being created this it's not by accident was it Um,
1: spontaneous or was it uh, induced by psychedelics no
0: it was totally spontaneous like i had done psychedelics but i had never had like a spiritual experience like that i i feel like you know it contributed to that but it was totally spontaneous so just living out in nowhere and not having like thought interference because i really feel like when i'm in the city not that I can hear other people's thoughts but there's just like static in the air Mm -hmm. (laughs) But when you can think clearly when you're not by anybody um, it just came to me and then from that I believe my art also like changed a lot I stopped trying so hard to become an artist I just kind of like allowed myself to be because I realized you know like this great intelligence doesn't force and think so hard how to contribute in the right ways or how to make it happen. I just kind of, like, allowed it to flow. And that's when I started doing a lot more abstract art, too, and I got a much greater response to it as well. And I kind of realized that, you know, the patterns that I paint are very much like the swaying in the trees that kind of, like, awakened me.
1: Mm. Beautiful. So you had your spiritual awakening at your Saturn return. I did, yeah. Age 27. Were those three years difficult getting to that new version of yourself? Or was it like an enjoyable experience?
0: Um, I mean, yeah, it was really, really, it was really hard times out there. It was kind of like the best and the worst times of my life because not living by anybody, like it could be so great in so many times cause no one's like triggering you or messing with you. But like you're facing all of your demons, like anything that I'd ever felt guilty about, all the wrongs I've ever done, you know, are just kind of like surfacing for you to face. Um, so it was, it was, Difficult, but it was also really great because then you on the other side. It's just so liberating Yeah, you so become stronger through it. Exactly. I I'd always choose the path of like facing things rather than numbing it forever
1: Totally and you still choose to live quote-unquote in the middle of nowhere somewhat isolated But a few hours drive from Denver.
0: Yeah Yeah, I, I come out there every couple couple times a month and I don't feel isolated here. I I have a pretty strong community. We host sister circles on the full moons, and so I do feel like I get just enough so socializing. I'm a pretty reclusive person, and I feel very content. Yeah, it's good to be a
1: hermit sometimes, especially yeah. when you're an artist and need to be productive. You can't, exactly. can't be too distracted.
0: Exactly. People are like, how do you produce so much, and I'm like, well, I'm always home alone. Mm-hmm.
1: That's good. So tell me a little bit more about your art. Like what's, what's the subject matters that you like to touch in your work?
0: Yeah, I try to think as little as possible and just like create what comes to me. But the common theme that I see in my work is like interconnectedness of all things. I like to paint energy because it... Reminds us that everything is connected, you know on the energetic field. There is no boundaries essentially and I think you know The law of one is kind of what I want to portray through my artwork and a lot of people have responded in a way where you know I told them the story about like the trees swaying and how like that awakened me and uh, my best compliment I've ever received where someone was like, ever since I saw your artwork, like, I don't see anything the same. Like, now anytime I see, like, rivers flowing or trees swaying, they just see, like, energy patterns rather mm. than, like, a material object.
1: Beautiful. It's kind of like the ending of Siddhartha. That book, uh, who wrote Siddhartha? It wasn't Paulo Coelho. It was Herman Hesse. You read that no, book? Not really. Well, he searched for enlightenment through so many paths, you know, through fo- following the Buddha, through even he left the spiritual path. He was an ascetic. It kind of like echoes a little bit of the story of the Buddha Siddhartha, but it's not quite, you know. it's. And at the end of the book, he finds his enlightenment by simply looking at the river and how the river has flows. And then he gets in the flow and he. You know he understands yeah so i guess uh it's cool that you also had your moment of understanding would you call that a moment of satori you know like uh do you know the terms of buddhist enlightenment
0: i don't but, but Sato- in yoga we call it samadhi so okay. yeah <laughs> and
1: i think in in japanese buddhism it's called satori like a, a flash of enlightenment not enlightenment itself but like mm-hmm. a understanding and that helps Yeah, you a forward. moment
0: of clarity, absolutely.
1: Mm-hmm. Beautiful. That's great that you had it, and then you can put it in your art, and then you can share it with your 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 followers, and they themselves find moments of clarity yeah. through it. What a great great way to use the art to help uh, awaken humanity. Thanks. Yeah, no problem. So, what about technique? What's What's your medium?
0: Oil paint is my favorite. I do use acrylics when I travel and go to festivals and stuff, but mm-hmm. oil paint there's nothing quite like it. <laughs> it's more
1: flowy, the colors are more intense.
0: Yeah, I'm just getting more and more advanced at it. So to me, it makes more sense. And I like to take my time with um, developing things and acrylics just dry really quickly. you got to be more committed.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, have you taken, outside of the schooling that you had t- taken before, have you taken workshops on the side to...
0: Yeah, I take YouTube? workshops. I, like, I think you get... Um, much more value for your dollar than you would in school, and I get to study with artists that I really admire. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's a Denver painter, C. T. Nelson. That's kind of like based off of his technique. Okay. Um, I studied with the Greys. Um, I studied with Oleg Korolev. Oh, cool! Where? In Montenegro.
1: Montenegro's in, in Spain.
0: Uh, it's not far from Spain. It's next to Croatia.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. How is that?
1: That's the Mish technique, right?
0: Uh, kind of, he was teaching us like the Venetian technique, like traditional oil painting, uh, he's not, yeah, it's not Mish technique, but I feel like I've uh, seen enough Am- Amanda students doing it where I can kind of like get how it works, uh, but I've never been taught Mish technique, but mm-hmm. I know variations of it.
1: So you've not taken the Amanda workshop?
0: Uh, I took one short one with her of doing portraits, and that was like really beneficial. But I think it was a drawing one. I never studied painting with her. Mm-hmm. But right now I'm taking a class with one of her teachers, Michael Fuchs. Okay, nice. Yeah, and he's also teaching us more like traditional uh, Renaissance uh, oil painting.
1: Beautiful. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, it's
0: amazing.
1: Um, so talking of uh, you know, this this is online, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. How is doing a workshop online as opposed to being in person with a teacher looking over your shoulder and being like? Yeah, do this it, and that. it
0: both has its benefits, and um, you know, doing it in person obviously is more expensive, more time commitment, but you do get to like experience, and it, it's better in a lot of ways. However, online you can like rewatch all the replays, mm. um, and you still have a community where we're talking and like reviewing everyone's work, and so. And it's also more affordable, so mm-hmm. <laughs> it has its pluses and minuses. I like to do both. <laughs>
1: yeah, you don't have to leave home. Yeah, exactly. You got all your studios set up, not yeah. just a little desk.
0: Yeah, yeah I miss being in, like, a family of artists. I really, really appreciate that because I learn from other people just as much as I learn from the teacher. So I do miss that aspect of it. But yeah. at the same time, yeah, right now it's like I have a lot going on, so I don't think I'd be able to, like, travel somewhere to do that.
1: Right, totally. There's lots of investments for things like that. As much as it's nice to be sitting in the middle of like a, you know, European villa.
0: Right, painting and doing and, nothing but painting and all the meals provided, like it's a dream. <laughs> yeah, when
1: I went to Italy to do that Misch Technique uh, workshop, it was like the best. Three weeks drinking wine for lunch yeah. and just painting with all these amazing beings. And uh, so special. I'm happy I was able to do that. Um... And you said you'd taken a portrait class from a man. Was that on the vision train?
0: Um, I don't think it was on the vision train. It was a fundraiser for the Vienna Academy of Visionary Art. Okay. Uh, it was just like a few hour class. Um, yeah.
1: Cool. How, do you do the vision train sometimes?
0: I do occasionally. I'd like to be on there more. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it's a really amazing way to connect, especially when we were all in lockdown. And I feel like, so many people I've met on Vision Train feels like I know them in real life and I realize I've never met them because <laughs> mm-hmm. we just have, you know, really deep conversations and, yeah, it's just a really amazing way to connect with people.
1: Yeah, it's a nice community, yeah? Mm-hmm. I've only been there maybe like three or four times. I usually go more when they invite me to talk or something.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I popped up just on myself sometimes, but even though it's like an online Zoom thing, I feel kind of awkward, like... Like,
0: Same, I feel like I get a lot of social anxiety, and I have to be mentally prepared, and if I, like, come on there and people want to talk to me, I'm like, I just want us to paint together, you know? <laughs> right, that's,
1: that's how I feel, like, if I get on, even if I'm, like, don't have my camera on, it's still is like, oh, Chris Dyer got on. No, you'll get
0: put on the spotlight, for sure. <laughs> and I don't
1: mind, but, like, like sometimes when my PJs just wanting to paint, you know, it's yeah. a different intention, but I like when I've got on, and I love to, you know, talk to the community of different artists from around the world I just want to all connect so I think that's uh, such a great initiative.
0: Yeah absolutely and there's a lot of people that were not you know in the scene quote unquote that have found visionary art through that and then you find like a whole community because I know a lot of other artists that Are kind of like much more competitive than people are in the visionary art world where like we're all sharing techniques and opportunities and uplifting each other so it's a really beautiful thing.
1: Mm -hmm. So cool. So let's talk about business, the business of art. Um, How do you go about it? Like every artist has different ways. Some people make products, some people sell paintings, some people do performances. How do you go about uh, offering your art to sustain your livelihood?
0: Well, I've been doing this for quite some time, so at this point, I feel like I've done almost everything. Um, And I would suggest, you know, for people to try out a lot of things and see what works for you, one sticks with, because sometimes it can be really overwhelming, where like, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. You can't do it all at once, but if you make a plan, it kind of accumulates. So like, I do sell prints, I sell originals. Recently, I've been getting into doing some murals as well, because I just want to get out of the house a bit more. I did coloring books, initially I started with pet portraits, that was, that's what was able to get me to like replace my regular income and also keeping my expenses to the bare minimum. <laughs> mm. I was that committed to being an artist that I'm like, I just need to, you know, not spend any money and then I can make this work.
1: At one point you told me that you started in, in festivals, is festival something that you use to, uh, you know, share your works, make sales, promote yourself?
0: Yeah, to an extent. I'm not, like, a huge festival person, but I'd usually go to a couple festivals a year, like, meet new people, make new connections. I enjoy festivals, but they also take a lot out of me. Like, I prefer to, you know, work from home, (laughs) Mm -hmm. for sure. But festivals was, like, my initial step into, like, I don't know, a larger community, and that's where I got... My first validation that like people have a demand for my artwork.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you offer products, what's your products that you've done that have been a hit?
0: Or? Uh, well, my stoner coloring books was definitely my most successful product I ever made. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do sell quite a bit of stickers. Um, I've tried to do like T-shirts. People ask for canopies. I still haven't found like the right person to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, But, yeah, I I would prefer to mostly sell originals. I don't think I enjoy creating products unless, you know, I had someone managing my brand like you do. Mm -hmm. That would take a lot off of me, but it's so time-consuming. Right. And another thing that I just started doing is, well, it's been a few months, I do a monthly subscription. So that way I have a little bit of a base income and I send people a surprise package with, like, stickers and prints and all sorts of stuff.
1: Cool. How's that system? Does it go through Patreon or something like that? Uh, I
0: got the idea from Patreon, but I just did it myself on my website, and I just have a subscription through PayPal, because Patreon takes, like, 20%, and they don't do anything. Mm. I don't know if it's 20%, but it was... It was a big percentage, and they really don't help you find new audience or anything. So mm, it wasn't
1: you gotta happened. do all the work, anyways. Yeah, exactly. So might as well just get people to PayPal, yeah. Yeah. Do people ever subscribe, but then don't send you a PayPal, or is it an automatic? Well, the thing?
0: subscription is automated. So once they sign up for it, it charges them automatically, okay. and they can cancel anytime.
1: Is it like complicated to organize that many people, and to think like, or you got like everything well organized in a list of addresses or whatever? Yeah,
0: it's all it's all on there. It's it's not
1: difficult. Is it like a standard price for everybody or is yeah. it a, can it's I ask what it is? 30 bucks a month. 30 bucks a month, Yeah. nice, yeah. that's a good system. Yeah. yeah. It's, it reminds me of this uh, brand that used to exist, FestiBox, mm-hmm. where people would subscribe and they would send the box with festival products and each month was a different artist. Sweet, so that's like, really cool. So I, I don't think they survived but it seems like you got a specific thing with your fans so you just got to come up with like what new products all the time.
0: Yeah, well, I've done enough artwork where I'll just do like prints or stickers just for them. Some like sometimes if I release something new, I'll definitely send it to them. But a lot of times, I'll just create uh, products just for them. Like I have my own printer, so you know I can. Mm-hmm. I've done enough artwork to definitely do enough fulfillment. <laughs>
1: nice. Yeah, it's a nice printer. Um. And you do your prints yourself, you got to pack them, so you you got a lot of work other than making art.
0: I do, yeah, and that's why I'm trying to like outsource it and really simplify, I'm really trying to see what is worth my time and what is not, because recently I got into like doing the custom jackets and they're so time consuming and Mm -hmm. I just like stopped taking orders even though there's huge demand for it. Oh yeah, yeah,
1: same (laughs) here. I'd, I'd love to do more jackets people like if i make a boom box people will buy it nice. so if i want to make money you just, do boom just boom boxes and it'd be endless but it's a lot of work and i get bored always doing the same thing over and over yeah, again
0: me too that's that's a problem i don't want to commit to just one thing
1: right you got to keep it varied and and fun and switch up the video game so an important thing of, of business is promotion. Mm-hmm. And uh, an important part of promotion these days is social media. And that seems like an equation that you figure out pretty good, right?
0: Well, thank you. <laughs> I think you have. It's... I try. Uh, I've definitely put in a lot of effort. I I, ty- I spent some time learning what works and what doesn't work. I had a lot of success with TikTok this past year. Um, and it really awakened that part of me that, I completely forgot about like when I was younger. I really loved loved it. Like I wanted to be an actress. I took like theater classes and all of that. And I think with TikTok, it kind of just like awakened this more like playful, spontaneous part of me. Before, I really hated doing social media. Like Instagram was never my thing. But like the short form videos like really work for me, and I definitely got some traction there. Um, with Instagram, I'm still trying to make it work. And I think the Instagram reels where I just post my TikToks, that's been working great. So I think it's just like consistency over a long period of time. I think a lot of other people are doing a much better job than me, but I I try. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think having fun is most important because when you try too hard, it just sucks life out of you.
1: Right. You got (laughs) to get into it. I, I can't I can't do the TikTok like I try and uh, it's so rare that I'll hit a chord with that audience and that's where you came in and you helped me out a couple of months ago and it was so interesting for me to see how you would do what I was doing but in your style.
0: Well I also couldn't film you there personally so I had to like find a new you know a new thing that works Right. that was a challenge but it was good.
1: Right, it's a totally different combination but it almost seems like you really gotta, at least with TikTok itself it seems like there's challenges and this week Eric is going to do a video with this vibe and you got to do that but in your own way where you get attention from it.
0: Yes. It's got trends, it's got trending sounds, and you kind of have to stay on top of that.
1: Mm-hmm. So I just show up and be like, here's a time lapse, and I'll put my favorite song, and they're just like, you're not playing our game. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, sometimes that works too, but you got to appease the algorithm guys. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. And uh, But you still do pretty good at Instagram, and you said you, you were starting to share shorts on, on YouTube.
0: Yeah, I really want to get into the YouTube game. It's just like my time has been eaten up, but I want to prioritize that cuz I know there's a demand for it and it can turn into another stream of income where you don't have to, you know, travel so far and so right. I think it's worth I think it's worth a long-term investment.
1: It's a job in itself, for yeah. sure yeah for for real well good luck uh, getting your YouTube going <laughs> we're doing an effort for my youtube if you're watching this and you still haven't subscribed to my channel what are you waiting for man or woman <laughs> yeah I don't know but I I, I, I I was thinking this morning you were you, you had just told me that you would like try the tube buddy mm-hmm. to get my um, what is it the uh, hashtags or something. Going along the videos, more on point, and maybe that will make it that my video gets shared more widely to a new audience.
0: Yeah, there's a cheat code to every video game. Right.
1: The Konami code. <laughs> up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, select, start, or no, behavior. I can't even remember it. My fingers would know how to do it. <laughs> um, all right. So back to community. Um, you're part of an online community called the Visionary Muses. Yes. Uh, Please tell me a little bit about that project.
0: Yeah, Visionary Muses started out in the beginning of 2020. Um, I think Elisa was the one that first introduced the idea and uh, we just really wanted to have a female collective celebrating the muse and so we decided to paint one another a bunch of like super badass visionary artists. Um, We celebrated one another, it was a very magical experience I think that In this world, you know, a lot of times women are, well, everybody is brainwashed to like compete with each other, put each other down. And here we got together to like celebrate each other, contemplate what the muse means to us and what it is. And so we did our own interpretations of one another. Mm -hmm. You made portraits of each other. right? Yes. And it was really healing and really empowering. And we're looking to expand um, the project as we're moving forward. We already have the new group for the following year uh, but we want to you know find a way to open it up to more and more people
1: mm-hmm. beautiful yeah so is there like a final goal with this project or is it more of a community of self-healing and empowerment for all these uh female creators
0: yeah, I think it's a lot more fluid, we definitely kind of go with the flow and we're allowing this to like develop organically and we're always open to conversations and communications about it. But yeah, it's just so far, you know, to be medicine for one another, to witness one another, get inspired and build a network of support.
1: Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Yeah, it's Nice. beautiful. I wish guys were allowed in. Well, we want that? guys to do their own thing, you know,
0: a lot of guys have inquired and we're like, it would be really cool if there was, you know, uh, another group doing that alongside of us.
1: Right. But the thing is, us guys, we're, we're, we're different, you know. Um, there's a lot of us sensitive guys, but I don't know if you put me on a Zoom meeting with a, like 20 other dudes if I'm ready to open up my most intimate heart you know i would do it in person i think you know
0: it takes time but you know when when the group is like small and you have that connection you know i i didn't expect to connect as deeply as i have and i think that a lot of like we can do healing as individuals but a lot of healing also has to happen in community and it reaches like your unconscious mind Mm -hmm. so i think that there's really potent medicine in that too even just witnessing other people open up and be supported even if you can't do it yourself
1: yeah that's beautiful i wonder if everybody gets along you know because sometimes personality not that not, if somebody's good or bad but sometimes personalities don't aren't a match right I mean, that's what I would wonder if I was in like a, a male version of the visionary muses, it, you know, like say I get along with like most of them, but then there's that one guy's like, ah, uh-huh, and then like maybe I got to do his portrait and be like, ah, uh-huh. <laughs> that'd be probably a healing challenge or something yeah, in the totally. end. Yeah, totally.
0: I think, you know, every trigger is there to teach us something. And as long as everyone's going in with a similar intention, it's a safe container. Like even if you do have some friction, that's a beautiful opportunity to work through that.
1: Mm-hmm. Cool, so no, no major fights in <laughs>
0: your group. <laughs> so far, so good, okay. we've been Woo. really amazing, yeah.
1: Amazing, uh, Spiro's also in that group. Yeah. I interviewed her uh, like a month or two ago. I love how I can see the snow-capped mountains from your window.
0: Oh yeah, it's... we got snow last night, I think.
1: Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, you are married, right? Yes. How long ago did you marry?
0: Well, we've been together for almost 11 years. Uh, We never did, like, official marriage. Um, When I say we're married, we're just, like, committed life partners. We don't really believe getting the government involved. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But did
1: you do, like, a spiritual
0: We're still yet to do that. I definitely, like, engaged to her. We did, like... Yeah, we've had some, like, honeymoon-type things, but we want to have what we call a love fest, Mm -hmm. which is basically, like, a wedding ceremony, but we never got around to it because we've just been surviving for the most part, you know.
1: For me, like the wedding ceremony is half the reason why I get married. <laughs> right, and that's the thing,
0: but you don't need to get the government involved to do that. You
1: well, know? my ceremony is, don't, I don't invite no cops. Uh, you know, I, actually when I got married back in the day, the official one was in Belgium. There was pretty people at this courthouse, which is kind of weird because they had like pictures of all the, of the kings of Belgium and one of them was King Leopold, who went into the Congo and, you know, it was like a bigger genocide than Hitler did. And the picture of that guy is in the, in the wall, the place where I'm getting married. And I was like,
0: do we really got to have this guy up there? <laughs> Can we cover this up? Right?
1: But it was just, you know, the, they couldn't even speak my language. Uh, but then I, in Canada, I had a big, like more spiritual mm-hmm. art party, wedding kind of styles. For me, that was the real one. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, once I got divorced, my, my Belgium uh, father-in-law took care of things there, so yeah. <laughs> I didn't have to go there or I anything. Th-
0: I think a lot of people get married for their family because there's just so much expectation, and, yeah, neither of us really have, like, much of a family that's putting any of that on us. So It's like we want to throw a party for, like, us and our friends. It just hasn't happened yet. So, yeah, it costs <laughs> money,
1: too. Yeah. But at least it's legal. Yeah. When did uh, uh, same... Sex marriages become legal in the states.
0: Uh, it became federally legal in uh, twenty fifteen, maybe. I want to say I'm not entirely sure. I wasn't following it, but
1: mm-hmm. yeah. So you large. weren't like, yeah, I can do it now, or you just like, yeah. I okay. mean, yeah,
0: I was relieved, but like I said, to me, um, I think a lot of people who even are married aren't as like deeply connected. Like they don't have the same kind of like trust and intimacy that we do and so for me it's a much more personal thing than it is like oh you sign the piece of paper so now I own you like mm-hmm. I really don't believe in any of that
1: hmm yeah <laughs> well I've been married and I've been divorced so I can't say it didn't work out it was a beautiful sacrament it was a beautiful experience and I would still do it again knowing what could happen you know yeah But I don't know, I guess I'm just a hopeless romantic or too old school. No, that's
0: sweet. And I don't, uh, yeah, I just don't believe that a a relationship has to last forever in order to be valid and absolutely perfect.
1: Right. And the marriage also doesn't have to, like, be to do us death, do us part or something. Uh, She will always be like, you know, Valerie... Will always be my 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 wife, you know, my first wife, and we're still great friends. And the love is always there. It just didn't match in where my life was going when her life was yeah, going. Yeah, so. and that's valid. And yeah. <laughs> and um, so, how is it to be LGTB these <laughs> days? I don't know what to say. Like, I'm I really afraid to the wrong words. Like, yeah. I, is, is, is it queer? Is it gay? Is, what, what's you know, like, how is it to be?
0: Yeah, I identify as queer. Okay. um, And yeah, it has its pluses and its minuses. I think that I have a lot of privilege given that I can, you know, pass for a straight person, whatever that means. And um, I just think like feminine queer women also get preferential treatment as to you would if you were, you know, like a feminine man or whatnot. So I don't um, experience a lot of that, but, you know, there's still, There's still a lot of people that are not comfortable with it and you have to deal with it psychologically. And, um, yeah, it's definitely part of my experience. Is there truly people who don't like lesbians? Yeah, absolutely. People think that you don't deserve to be alive What? (laughs) or that you're like sick and twisted and perverted.
1: That's yeah. weird. I yeah. thought like it was like a would like them. The girls like them, the guys like them. They're just the best.
0: Mm, not quite. And then there's a lot of dudes that are just like, oh, well, you, you know, you just, just need to be true. with me. And like, yeah, there's oh, a lot wanna, of people that don't respect it. You know, a lot of times if you'd be like, oh, I have a boyfriend, people just like leave you alone. But it's like, oh, that's my wife. I'm like, well, what? I'm just trying to talk. I'm not doing anything. They want to like, transform you. Right. And yeah just people or like fetishize it you know
1: Mm. yeah i guess because porn has made things a very weird perspective Mm. on what that's about cool well thank you for teaching me (laughs) and learning uh you know and happy that things are getting a little bit better
0: Yeah, yeah i think in certain circumstances it is Nice. Mm -hmm.
1: Tell me about your tattoos. You got some nice tattoos. We can't see too many of them. I got some good
0: ones. I got some shitty ones. Um, Yeah, I got a lot of tattoos when I was living in Chicago. I kind of didn't care what I got. Were you
1: a punk rocker or something? I was a
0: punk rocker. No way. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Did
1: you have different color hair?
0: Always, Uh yeah. I always had like hot pink, purple, teal hair. I had a mohawk. Sick. Yeah, the whole nine yards. I had cheetah print hair.
1: That's cool. Wow, that's a difficult one. (laughs) Word on the streets is that you got a tattoo on your butt.
0: I do, (laughs) yes. I have a smart-ass tattooed on my butt. (laughs) Nice,
1: that's so funny. Do you think you'll keep that or you will transform it into something? I
0: have a lot of tattoos I want to cover up, just haven't gotten around to it. Uh
1: Have you ever thought of you yourself doing tattooing?
0: Yes, actually that's what I wanted to do after high school. Um, I tried to apprentice with a couple people and it went sour really quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, I lived a more isolated life and now in hindsight I'm kind of glad I didn't do it. Like my best friend in high school, she wanted to do hair and I wanted to do tattoos and we kind of flipped where I was doing hair and she's doing tattoos still. Uh-huh. Um, Seems like it kind of like has the same vibe, right?
1: Like a barber shop and a tattoo shop.
0: To an extent, yeah. Like both industries really like to drink a lot and you're there as like a free therapist. So <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> it's similar in a lot of ways.
1: Right. I, I would love to do tattooing but I don't know if I want to be sitting down with strangers every single day giving so much of my energy and exactly.
0: time exactly it was definitely not meant to be for me like I thought I wanted to do that because it's like oh you get to do art and make money but I am not social enough to do that <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. but I do like getting them
0: yeah me too well
1: you know the pain's not enjoyable I guess yeah. but it's, it's fun the ritual of sitting there mm-hmm. and you know having a conversation and I do like Drinking beers when I do it, it hurts less. Um, tell me about uh, your experiences with psychedelics.
0: Psychedelics, <laughs> psychedelics. Yes. Um, initially, it was a form of escapism for me. Like I told you, when I first moved to the states, I was just drinking, doing drugs, whatever. So that was like my first introduction to like LSD and stuff like that. Mushrooms have always um, been too much, and I would have like an existential crisis, and I never enjoyed that. But I did do acid quite frequently, well, a few times a year, not super frequently compared to some people. Um, And I do feel like it definitely helped me to not become indoctrinated at the time. I was having like very existential thoughts about the way society is set up and how you think that, you know, like what's illegal must be bad for you, etc. And like all of that kind of became like really clear that, you know, time is kind of like created by us and law enforcement has nothing to do with what's good or bad and stuff like that so I definitely think it helped shape me but most of my spiritual experiences happen completely sober and since then I uh, I have done mushrooms a few times to help me break some really difficult patterns but I did it you know in the dark in a ceremonial setting and Mm -hmm. with like intention and it has worked miracles like the first time um, I did mushrooms to quit smoking weed because it was like a huge problem for me where I was smoking Mm -hmm. 24-7 and yeah it kind of like showed me patterns in how I wasn't being kind to myself Um, and over a course of a few months after that I was kind of able to really kind of let it go and that was really potent and beautiful and yeah most recently i also did because i was like really struggling with um just getting depressed and having enough like motivation to keep going and um, i do microdose occasionally as well to kind of maintain that but psychedelics i believe are a really really important tool that i think it can help us overcome traumas and wounding that we don't really have many other tools and techniques for doing so. It just has to be done in the right setting with the right intentions. And I really, um, I'm really optimistic about the studies that are happening. And I really do believe that if, you know, psychedelics become accessible to a lot of people that are struggling, that we'll see a lot of positive change really quickly.
1: Mm-hmm. Beautiful. When you said you, you're microdose, microdosing, are you microdosing mushrooms? Yeah. Okay, nice. Doesn't give you a bellyache in the morning or something? No. Okay, that's nice.
0: Yeah, I'm really sensitive to it, so sometimes it'll like, make me feel a little weird or like anxious, but I try to just really do microdoses. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, that's good. I was microdosing San Pedro, San Pedro last month, and it was really helping me a lot through my situation. So are you optimistic about you know humanity and where we're going
0: yeah uh, i am i believe that a lot of the things that we struggle with are fabricated and like poverty starvation all this violence it's done with intention and it's fabricated like it's not something that's like a natural byproduct i think that there are some people that are profiting from, you know, war and fossil fuels and all of that. And I think that at this point, we have such advanced technology that we can change so much so quickly. It's just kind of hidden from people. <laughs> and I'm also surrounded by people that are doing like the deep, hard inner work where they're learning to connect to, you know, the greater wisdom and I really believe that what i'm seeing it will play out just fine <laughs>
1: mm, beautiful well it's great to have that you know optimistic view of the future so we can attract it together That's yeah super important too be living with a doomsday mentality, as much as it's good to have your plan B on the side. <laughs> exactly,
0: I think it's good to be realistic and be prepared and do everything you can to avoid problems and at the same time, if you can envision an ideal reality, we can definitely create it. Anything you can imagine, you can create.
1: Mm-hmm. Beautiful, <laughs> true. Uh, do you think art is uh, something that helps the world get a little bit to a higher vibration?
0: I think 100%. I think creativity in itself is a skill that has kind of been stolen from us uh, for a lot of people. I mean, I'm surrounded by artists, so I take it for granted sometimes because I assume it comes naturally to everyone. Um, But I think creativity, like everyone should be practicing creating in one way or another and getting inspired by art. And then another thing that I think is really powerful, like imagery. Um, communicates to our unconscious mind in a much deeper way than we even imagine. So like visual medicine and obviously music as well, but visual medicine delivers messages to like unconscious part of you. And like it it plants seeds a lot deeper than what we can even comprehend. Mm -hmm. And I do think it's a superpower that a lot of people undervalue.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, it's great. You got that perspective and it's great to see that more and more people are Getting into art. It seems like the, uh, the shutdowns when people had to just stay home, people are yeah. getting more into their, I don't know, expression in some way, right?
0: Absolutely. A lot of people kind of like quit their office jobs and now doing art, and I love to see that.
1: Mm-hmm. So beautiful. So we're coming to the end of our show. Would you have some final words of wisdom to our viewers today?
0: Yes, I have plenty of words of wisdom. Um, I think most importantly everyone should try to connect to their intuition and inner guidance i believe that our bodies are far more wise than what our brains are and if we can learn to connect to our intuition everyone's life will unfold in the most miraculous ways and i think it's really hard to initially trust your inner wisdom over what you've been conditioned to believe but the more you practice the better and easier life becomes. And I think that that's the ultimate medicine that we all need right now.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so beautiful. Thank you so much, Domene, you, you're great. I
0: appreciate it.
1: <laughs> and thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Chris Dyer's Creative Friends. I hope you enjoyed. Uh, please press the like button, subscribe, comment, and uh, share if you want. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for watching and I'll see you next time. Blessings. Woo! Now this week, my special guest is Della. I am optimistic, man, for for the future. Um, I think things are gonna get really, really, really bad that we're gonna need to stop and fix it or fucking fade away, you know? Like when I was living in Florida and we had the deep water horizon, like that blow up and spill all the oil, remember that? Seeing that definitely turned me into an environmentalist painter. You know what I mean? It was that drastic change, but most people don't go through that, you know? But uh, yeah, I, I definitely am optimistic. Sometimes I'll play the other card though and be like, it's too late, man. It's irrelevant, we fucked the world up. Maybe we did, nobody really knows, but we will hit that point when it's too late or not. You know? So make sure to subscribe, like, and everything else. Big thanks and see you next week. Peace.